This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Joe here with you, making his triumphant return to the podcast. My co-host, dear friend, Nicholas Heidelberger. Nick, you're here. I'm here. I feel like a special guest. It's been it's been so long. I was actually firing this up, and it's been two days shy of a month since the last time I was, I was on the mic. So uh, let's do it. I I, uh, I was just telling you, Joe. I, I felt like you you've been on fire, and if I didn't if I didn't come back soon, I was just going to lose my spot permanently. No, your your spot is always secure here. We're able to carve out an hour on a Friday morning on the West Coast, afternoon on the East Coast. By the time you're listening to this, hopefully, I have shot. 67 in the first round of the Glendivere Men's Club Championship. That's my attitude going in. We'll see how it goes. But Nick, that's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. We have so many things to get to. Before we do that, a reminder to please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Please give us five stars. Say anything. Nick, glad to have you back. Nick, I love you. Nick, I missed you. Anything positive Nick related, leave in your review for pod. So, Nick, you sent me a couple of fun golf Twitter prompts to discuss on this week's show, and I'm excited for them. Yeah, there's always there's always like, man, our podcast is secure because there's always good hypotheticals on golf Twitter, and we can just pull those and talk about them for an hour, and we don't have to come up with anything ourselves. It's great. We're in, we're out. It's good. So this <laughs> first one, this first one, I have to I have to ask you about a little bit because. I'm a little bit confused by it. So it is what area slash aspect of golf needs to be improved. And I'm going to be honest with you and the patrons. I have nothing prepared for this. So I'm going to do it on the fly. and I'm going to let you start, explain, and then give yours. Yeah. So this one was from the Caddy Network. And I, I resisted going into the comments. It's a very, very vague question. What needs to be improved? Like, yeah. wow, where do you start? Um, so I didn't go in to like steal other people's ideas, but I was thinking about it and I'm like, I, I try to go back to like, if you invented golf today, like there, there's no way like 90% of the the things that are just normal for golf, you would actually think is a good idea, but we refuse to think outside of this tiny, tiny box we've crammed ourselves into with golf. So like, Hey, 
should we make equipment that, that goes even farther and then build the courses even longer and then build equipment that goes even farther and then make the courses even longer? Like, no, that's not a good idea, but that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's what <laughs> that's we're doing. What... Now, I have to tell you, I played around by myself. I got paired up with three seniors last weekend and two of them at separate times gave me the Nick Heidelberger time machine move. The hole is too small. Why isn't this hole bigger? Is that, is that what you're going to go with? Make the hole bigger? No, it's, it's not what I'm going to go with. Although it's, it's kind of along those outside the box lines, maybe not quite so outside the box. Um, but I mean, the, the thing that needs to improve is pace of play. Uh, that is the biggest, it's not the biggest barrier to entry, but it's probably the biggest barrier to like, I don't know what you call like when something goes from like, I tried it once to like actually doing it every day or, or like, you know, being obsessed with golf, it's pace of play. It's how much time you have to invest into going out there to enjoy a recreational activity. Like I'm going to go play golf. Okay. The course is 40 minutes away. Got to get there 30 minutes early. It's been five hours in the course. Got to add it all up and have a beer afterwards. Like you're in for a six, seven, eight hour day. Like that's crazy. So how do we speed it up? What do we do? Well, that's the hard part. Four, 14 whole courses that are oh. a little bit shorter than like what you would normally, like you don't have to have 445 yard par fours, you know, Hey, what's wrong with a 340 yard par four, you know, handful of par threes, some fun par fives, something you can walk. Like it should be designed with walking in mind. Like the tees and the greens are close together. Um, you should be able to walk it in like two and a half hours. If there were more of those, they weren't so crowded. Maybe you cut out of work 30 minutes early on a Wednesday and you go get a round in before dinner. Like, that's cool. You don't have to carve out an entire day of your weekend just to go have fun with your friends. Yeah, because even, you know, I I do a men's club ride on Sunday mornings and I typically tee off 7.30. Best case scenario, I'm home for lunch. That's still nearly half of my day that I'm investing right. and that's you, the shortest you, amount of time. Listeners, your alarm is going off at 5.15 in the morning and you're off the face of the earth until like a late lunch. Like Joe is just not accessible like for, you know, from 5.15 till 2 o'clock. And if you tee off in the middle of the day, forget about it. Like if you have an yeah. 11 o'clock tee time, if the course is like 30 minutes away, you're you're leaving 20 minutes before that. You're getting to the course. You're playing your round. Maybe you have a hot dog or something and a beer afterwards. You get home and it's, <laughs> I've been gone for seven hours. Joe, what would you make for dinner? Nothing because I just got home 15 minutes ago. Yeah. And you know what? And this is the, the lamest excuse. This will never come out of my mouth in my household. But like since I'm just talking to you. Hey, you've just been out on the golf course, probably walking for five hours. And like, no, I'm not asking for pity, but I'm also like, my body's a little bit tired. I'm, I'm kind of worn down. And now you want me to go mow the lawn and like <laughs> all this manual labor around the house? Like, uh, sorry, I'm dragging ass. I'm exhausted from playing golf for the last six hours. <laughs> that is something that I talk to my buddy about is I would say once a year, we bring our ladies out to, to play golf with us. And on the car ride, on the car ride home, they're still engrossed in conversation. And me and Andy just don't want to say a word. Like I've driven out in the middle of the gorge and played a course an hour away from Andy. And we'll chit chat and talk the whole time on the way there. On the way back, there's like three words exchanged. We just want to enjoy the peace, the quiet, the nice drive back. 
you are tired after a round of golf usually. Like, yeah, nobody feels sorry dinner, for you, but you left no. it all out there. Exactly. If you're making dinner or cleaning the bathroom or doing yard work after a round of golf, you are a hero. And again, I will never say those words to Lacey in the house. <laughs> exactly. But to you, this is a safe space. It is. Yeah, you can't come home on, on Saturday and be like, oh, I'm too tired to contribute to this household. I've been playing golf all morning. Uh, so okay. the reason I chose 14 holes yeah. is because, well, that's the, that's the minimum to submit a round to the USGA for your handicap. So you don't even have to like bend the, the, the handicap rules. Um, you know, the courses can be rated. Um, I, I think if you have a 14 hole course, it's, like, it's only four holes shorter, but I think it can really be like an hour and a half shorter than your typical round. Cause first of all, you have the mindset, like I'm playing a shorter course. The purpose of this shorter course is to keep up pace of play. If they're designed in ways that, like I said, are encourage walking, encourage recreation, encourage like just getting out there to play, making it more accessible to your life. People will probably buy into that. You're not going to have these, you know, crazy marathon rounds, but you can still get really a, a satisfying like round of golf. Like if you just play four or five holes, probably like, eh, kind of played. I, I kind of didn't really play though. Practically speaking from a design perspective, are you removing two par fours from each nine? Let's just say the typical course, two par threes, two par fives on each side. So four threes and four fives. Are you keeping those on these courses and just getting four par fours out of there or is it going to be a mishmash from your perspective um you know that's a good question i i think just like in general shorter holes like i said like those 340 yard par four so the guy who hits at 220 still has a full shot in which is most people especially the people playing this course probably maybe hitting at 200 so it's still two full shots uh, you know, better players can can have a rip and maybe still have like a 50 yard shot in and in, in play. I don't know. I, I think I don't necessarily know if it's, you know, the, the makeup of the holes, what the par of the course is, is, is important. I think it's just something that encourages people to get out there, play more, play quicker, still be fulfilled, still be able to keep a gin. You know, I, I don't know. It's just that's that's the one thing I'm like, what needs to be improved with golf? It's pace of play. And all these little tweaks that they're making, oh, let's reduce the search time from five minutes to three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and that might help a couple minutes here and there, but like unless all of the groups ahead of you are also like really holding themselves accountable for that, there's only so much it can do. You know what I mean? And so I don't know. I think pace of play is the problem, and this is just one potential solution. Pace of, pl- pace of play is the problem. And that is where mine is going to be as well. I'm going to continue to sing this from the mountaintops, Nick, because it just it just needs to happen. We need to eliminate out of bounds being a two shot mm. penalty. Everything's a hazard. Eliminate out of bounds because yes. no one follows those rules in a casual round of golf to begin with. People don't hit provisionals. We've established that. And I think that people looking for balls in general is what takes a lot of time. I don't I I don't think that the time limit that has that has been imposed on looking for the ball has changed anyone's demeanor, anyone's strategy out there. People are either going to look for balls forever or they're going to give up right away. And I have to tell you, even in tournament settings, I give it like a 10 second look. I I I have no time looking for lost balls. I I could not give a shit. Have you ever found a ball 
in the fifth minute of searching, you either you either go to where you want it to be and it's there or it's not. And like your search is in vain. Always. I never find a ball looking more than a minute. I would say, like, for example, the biggest tournament of the year that I have coming up on Sunday, if I hit one in a hazard and maybe it's in, maybe it's out, if I don't find that thing in 10 seconds, it's in the hazard. Let's play. Because I think the longer that I look for it, the more frustrated I get, the more it's going to affect my round. I'd rather mentally commit to giving the penalty stroke, try to make a tough bogey, and move on. Also, this is probably just a me thing. Out of bounds compared to hazard. When I'm swinging on a tee shot and there's hazard on one side of the fairway, I continue to swing free because my thought is, well, I can drop up there. It's a one-shot penalty. I can still make a bogey. If I execute this shot, now I'm in birdie par territory, so I think it's worth the risk. If I have out of bounds on the side of a fairway, I am trying to bunt that thing anywhere besides the huge danger. I'm just always trying to avoid the big number, and that's what the OB brings into play. I just think... For professional golfers, it makes sense. For 99.99999% of everybody else, doesn't need to be out of bounds. And if there is, it's a one-shot penalty. Make everything a one-shot penalty for a lost ball. Two strokes is way too penal. I get it. It's off the golf course. That's the intent behind it. Way too penal. Speeds up pace of play. Improves scores. Improves happiness. Supposed to be happy on the golf course, at least sometimes. Yes. No, for sure. Anything that makes you play faster and lowers your score is going to yield more enjoyment from this game. Imagine that. I try to. Okay. Let's go to this next one. Here's the prompt. What if we gave you a month off of work to practice and then you got four rounds of golf to try to shoot your career low round? If you succeed, you get $5,000 to the PGA tour superstore who came up with this prompt. It's just a big golf store. And if you don't, you can't play golf for a year. Nick, are you taking that deal? I think this is going to be a much different answer for me than it is for you. Well, I think there's much different reasoning behind it, but I think we'll probably come to the same (laughs) answer. Uh, I am taking this deal in a heartbeat for, I mean, the the number one reason, my lowest round ever is an 82. It was was just last year. This year, I've shot an 83. Got Mm. other rounds in the mid-80s. So, like, it's not... The bar is not that low. The bar is not that high. Like, if, if I practice for a month, I should be able to shoot 81 re- reasonably. Also, a, a month off of – this isn't just a month off of work. This is like I have been selected to go to Survivor. They're shipping me out to Fiji. It's just me and Butch Harmon. I have no contact with my work, my friends, my family, nothing. It's just me and my golf game um, and Butch Harmon. And <laughs> – if I do that for a month, that's that's like probably more golf than I would play in an entire year anyways. So say I still can't break 80, I probably just need to take that next year, just clean the toilets, mow the lawn, cook the dinner, just forget about golf for a while, step away, reevaluate my priorities, maybe take up tennis. Um, and I've, I've probably scratched that itch anyways because like I said, a month of doing that, like I'm in the hope to play 20 – rounds a year territory this year it's gonna be nowhere near that but like for the next five years that's kind of where i am so 31 straight days of just golf practice plus four rounds it's a no-brainer for me and and then like if you succeed it's not just like hey you got a month to like not have to go to work and then played your best golf of your life it's like we're also giving you five thousand dollars yeah 
to buy all the gear. You can get that Scotty Cameron putter, the nicest driver, and your game is dialed into a point where yes. this is the optimum time to get everything. Get I all the it. gear. Yeah. Four rounds. It would be also kind of fun. Sorry, just last note. No, no. To, to have like these like four rounds because like your first round, say you, you you tank it. It's like, okay, no, but I got three left. Then like say you have a, a rough front nine on that second one. You're like, dude, I'm running out of holes to like career it. And it'd be kind of fun to have, <laughs> to have that pressure. The Okay, so I'm going to start here. I'd have to do it in the first three rounds. There's no way if I have a round, <laughs> one round left. To shoot, so my my lowest round ever. I talked about it too much. Is a sixty seven. It's a complete aberration from the rest of my golf game. Um, the scorecard is on the fridge. The anniversary just passed August thirteenth. It's been Happy eleven years, Nikki. It's yeah. ele- eleven years. No, every year it gets sadder and sadder. It is. Um, so I won't do this, but not. It's a tough. It's a tough bar. You have to, you have to go out and shoot sixty six. I, mean, that's, that's I have to go out and shoot a sixty six. And to be fair, there's two home courses. At my home club. The easier one is a par 71. So shooting a five under 66 at that course is within the realm of possibility. I think the closest I've ever done, I think I was four under through 11 one time. So the the possibility exists. It's gettable. But I'm not going to do it for this reason. I don't think I would enjoy doing nothing besides practicing golf for one month. I, that doesn't sound fun to me. I get... Bored is not the right word, but I lose interest when I practice that much. It becomes a chore. It becomes a task. It becomes something I don't want to do. Even now, I'm not really practicing ever. Like, I'll go to the range. I'm going to go to the range tomorrow. But I don't like the idea of having to do nothing besides practicing for a month straight. Like, you know what Golf Digest puts up? Here's Tiger Woods' schedule. He wakes up at 4 a.m. You know, when he was in his prime, he wakes up at 4 a.m., eats a huge breakfast, works out, goes play nine holes, come back, works out again, and does this whole thing. Like, that sounds shitty. I don't want to do that. I would rather just enjoy golf casually. Now, let's let's go under the pretense that I do do this, right? Okay. I go to the, to the island with Butch Harmon. I'm in Fiji. Really, really dialing the game. My fairway bunker game is the best it's ever been because mm-hmm. all I'm doing is hitting off sand for three hours a day. And I have to come back to Portland. I'm the tannest I've ever been. And I have to, I, I have four rounds to shoot a 66 at Glendevere West. Now that course sets up where through the first five holes, you could very easily be three under. There are three drivable par fours. There's a 310 par four and then a weird par three. So you can be three under without batting an eye. Like, it's not super hard to do. If I started the first five holes of that round and was even or one over, I would just probably walk off the course because I would have to play the meat of the course, which, by the way, is not that difficult, in such a perfect way that it would almost be impossible. Like, I would have, I would have to be at least four under at the turn to have any realistic chance of doing it. And if I didn't get out to a fast start, I'd probably just walk off the course, call in Butch. We would practice the rest of the day and give it another go tomorrow. I don't know. If you had a month's practice, those birdies can happen anywhere. You don't have to like take advantage of the right holes. I mean, like, you know, you could, you can hit one close from the fairway at at any point and and roll on a putt or you can make a 25 footer at any point. You know, you don't have to. 
count yourself out after the third hole because you didn't birdie the 310 yard par four. Well, perhaps so my I best should... rounds ever. I would like double the double bogey. I think like the 82 I shot, I doubled the first hole, and then I stopped like mentally keeping track until like seven holes later. I'm like, ah, strung together a few pars. Let's let's put the pressure on. Well, I have a few memories from that best round ever. They're they're becoming less and less clear as time passes. But I, have, I do I have remember three memories from that. I, well, I do remember very specifically thinking to myself, "Let's go make birdies." In a way that I've never done before. I was in such an aggressive mindset, but in a controlled way that I've really never been able to replicate in the decade plus since. And if I could get into that place again, then you're right. I don't think I would be thinking, oh shit, I'm only one under through seven, you know, doing the mental gymnastics of like, well, I have to birdie this hole and this is a hard hole, so I have to par this hole. I think it would just be attack, 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 make putts, make putts, make putts. That so Maybe Butch Harmon is the person I have to talk to. Maybe I go and hang out with Dr. Bob Rotella for a month. I don't yeah. even touch a golf club. I'm just working on the mental side of my game for 30 days. Now, that is something I could buy into. A month of intense sports psychological therapy to get me in the right frame of mind to actually give myself a chance to do this. Because I know That's I have the awesome. physical skills. I've done it. It's just a matter of getting out of my head, which is a really tough place to be. Joe has a month to, to hone in his golf game. He doesn't even, doesn't even pack his golf clubs. That would be the most Joe move possible. <laughs> Joe, where are your clubs? I don't need them. That's not why I'm here in Fiji. I'm here to talk to Dr. Bob and attack some childhood memories that I've suppressed that are the reason why I can't hit a fairway on the backside. Oh, my God. Um, I thought you were going to say at the start of this that you don't like you, – you don't want to have that pressure of like those four rounds where you, it's do or die. Like, I think that would be kind of fun. I think that would be fun. I do think the do or die would be fun. I do think you're right. I So I, I definitely wouldn't do one in the fourth round. I definitely wouldn't do one in the first round. I would say the second or third round is probably where I'd be able to do it. And just that answer, as I was saying that, I was thinking to myself, what would Dr. Bob Rotella say to someone with this sort of mindset? You have four rounds. You're already eliminating two of them. <laughs> now giving yourself two rounds mentally to do this when you've given, been given four by the PGA Superstore. You see? Yeah. I need a team. I need a whole team working on my That's brain, tough. Nick. Wow. Good luck in that uh, club championship this weekend. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but this this is coming out on Monday, so it would have already happened. I'm in, I'm in great spirits on a Friday morning going into it. The weather is going to be perfect for scoring, and um, yeah, I think I should play well, but I could also shoot eighty. So you never know. Can't wait to get the recap. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, okay, so you would do it. I would not. That's that's what we settle on. Yeah, for sure. And it's a, it's I, a low bar for me. I think I think we we both knew that was going to be the the answer going into this prompt, but that was still a fun one. Nick, it is now time for the Mad Golfer of the Week. We gratefully accept your submissions at attheturnpod at gmail.com. This is where we talk about a golf course that is pristine, gorgeous, or maybe not sometimes, and someone is so angry about it that they felt compelled to put a review online and talk about their terrible experience. As always, it is brought to you by T-Box Coffee Company. They're a roast-to-order coffee brand in the heart of Southern California. Package for the golfer who can shoot 68, 112, and everyone in between. Let T-Box Coffee fuel your morning rounds. Use promo code TURN15 at checkout. So, Nick, the course that I'm picking today is Gamble Sands. Have you heard of Gamble Sands? 
I I have heard of it, but if you told me to meet you there, I wouldn't know which direction to drive. Well, west is this where you have to go. It yep. is in Brewster, Washington, which is somehow both six hours from Portland and two and a half hours from Spokane. It is basically in the middle of nowhere in north central Washington. It is, of course, designed by David McClay Kidd, who also designed Band and Dunes, who also designed Tethero, Scottish guy, very famous course designer in the 21st century. Now, I was hoping to play this course with our dear friend Romy over Labor Day weekend. It doesn't look like we're going to make it happen, but I do want to get out there very soon because the thing about this course, Nick, I'm doing some reading about it. It is supposed to be a resort course that is scenic, that is gorgeous, fun to play, and easy. Yeah. The rap on this course is you can score on it. A lot of people shooting their PRs out there. So maybe that's the course that, we need to go out to. What a concept. I feel I like that is something that is lost. Like you don't ever hear people like commending a course for being easy. It's always a bash. Oh, of course it's too easy. Oh, really? Golf is too easy? I know. Like, that's, that's I paid awesome. 300 bucks and I shot 68. <laughs> what a miserable time. <laughs> Seriously. It is interesting because the connotation with it is so negative. But that was my approach too was what a great draw. Come out here, do a stay and play, two rounds of golf, a beautiful lodge. You pay 300, 400 bucks and maybe you'll shoot your best round ever. I'll drive yeah. six hours for that. Guess what? Then you're going to want to come back every year. What, what a good business model. Like rather than making like four, hand, four handicap players shoot 97, you want to quit the game altogether. Which is what Tethero is, also a David McClay kid, of course. Okay, it might be David K- Kid McClay. It's it's one uh, of those McClay two. It doesn't kid. matter. Yeah, it's McClay, it's, it's McClay kid. kid, right? Okay. Yeah. Here is your mad golfer of the week. Quote, Gamble Sands is one of the current breed of new courses designed to be fun and playable for the average golfer, at least in the eyes of the designer and the adoring members of the press. I found this course to be very similar to Seam Strong Black, another course that I didn't care for. Since the fairways are wide and easy to hit, they trick up the pin positions on the greens to make putting the primary challenge. Can we pause right there? Putting should be the primary challenge in the game of golf, in my opinion. I disagree Putting's with that. the hard part, right? Hitting the, hitting the ball is the hard part. To each their own. Yeah, yeah. That's This is each person's skill set. Getting back to it, quote, It was difficult to get the ball close to the pin. And 40 to 50 foot putts were common. I had one putt of 150 feet. Challenging? 50 yards? <laughs> yeah, 50 yard putt. Challenging? Yes. Fun? No. Maybe I need to be a better putter, but my index is 9.0, so I'm a fairly decent golfer. We played two rounds, and I just really didn't enjoy it. And yes, there were great views all around, but that's not enough to attract me back to Gamble Sands' remote location. Fair. It is very remote. The views do make it far superior to Seamstrong Black, where all you can see is Florida, sick burn. Note, (laughs) as to the cost of my round, I paid about $425 for a one-night, two-round package. The format doesn't allow you to explain that. I guess he's talking about the review. That seems reasonable for a course from a famous designer. Yeah, I would would go to to remote Washington for one night with... You and Romy and play 36 holes of golf and drink 36 beers and yeah. have a great time. 
what? whole thing for 500 bucks. What a weekend. Yeah. Sign me up. That is your mad golfer of the week. Now, Nick, you should have seen the emails that we've gotten the last two weeks. Most of them, really? the subject lines are, you know, where's Nick rules? Is the theme song still pending? I miss Nick. Folks, you're in luck. Because it is now time for Nick Rules, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use Turn 20 at checkout. Theme song is still pending. I, I thought this was going to be the week. I know. I did, too. I Especially did too. the way we you have built some... up to it. The way you built up to it. Oh. I was like, oh, my God. Here it is. No, it's okay. We have some last-minute editing to get to still. We're, oh, sure. we're, we're, yeah. we're dialing it okay. in. All right. Well, this is in response to um, an earlier podcast i didn't have the opportunity to join you and tyler on i love that episode by the way thanks tyler um uh, he's coming great on it was it was awesome <laughs> i i wanted to like i was on a stroll with, with my new daughter when i was listening to that and i wanted to just like stroll over to the goodwill and <laughs> like see if i could find like five left-handed like mizuno three irons from 1991 and, and put them in play yeah like, this is, it was awesome okay so in response to this you guys were talking about um the stipulations you need to put on your round for it to, to count in your own eyes. Rule 5.7, I think we'll, we'll address this. Normal suspension, including darkness. If all players in your group are between two holes, you must stop play and must not make a stroke to begin another hole until the committee resumes play. This is basically when the committee suspends play due to darkness. You must resume play at the time set by the committee and from where you stopped play on a hole or between two holes at your next teeing area, even if play is resumed on a later day. So basically, rule 5.7 is telling you and Tyler and all the other golfers out there that if your round is suspended due to darkness, just come back when it's not dark anymore and finish your round. And that is still your round of golf. Further evidence, um, you know, PGA Tour does this literally all the time when Play must stop because it's too dark. They they stop. They, they come back when it's not too dark anymore and they finish their round. And they don't say, that like, Brant Snedeker shot uh, 37 and then he came back with, with 31. But we're not going to call it a 68. We're not. We'll call it a 37 and a 31. Um, nope, that's still a 68. And uh, it should be in your eyes as well. I give you a lot of credit. This is a very clever way to inject yourself in a conversation from two weeks ago on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, so for sure. what 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 you are saying is is that if you went out and you shot a forty one, you had to go home. Next day you shoot a forty. That card's going on the fridge. That's Nick's best round ever. That's right. That's <laughs> that's 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 the rules of golf, Joe. Okay. That is the rules of golf. And, and it really raises a bigger question that like you guys also talked about, but like why do golfers create these ridiculous requirements for their accomplishments? Like, like I, I, I shot, I shot an 81, but like I, I, one of, I, I, I didn't play between nine at night and seven in the morning. And so like, I don't really know if it was an 81, like the, I was still wearing my golf shorts. The scorecard was was still in my back pocket when I when I rolled to the tee the next morning. Uh, but I don't know. Or like I've heard people say, I've heard someone tell a story like my dad got a hole in one, but it, he doesn't count it because he wasn't playing with a group. He did it as a single, but hit the ball from the tee box into the hole. It was like somehow this is somehow rationalized that it's not a hole in one. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't understand that. I, I don't understand it. Like golf is hard enough. 
like you're you're there you're your own witness if it happened it happened like why are you taking your accomplishments away from yourself i just don't understand that it's a valid point a couple things i think golf breeds a mindset of penalizing yourself unnecessarily yes so i totally get where you're coming from I'm not going to go back onto the soapbox of OB versus Hazard, but that is a that is a clear example of that. On this scorecard that is now in your fridge, the 81, what date are you putting on that? Probably the date that the round was completed. Okay. So not, not the date that the round was started. I don't want to diminish this fictitious 81 that you shot. I'm very happy that you that you set your personal record. You now have $5,000 to the PGA Superstore. Yeah. I'm very, very happy for you. Well, yeah, and I, I even without like darkness, but a lot of my rounds, I would at Hemlock Ridge, nine hole course. A lot of my rounds, right. I would, I would start it on a Saturday, play the play the whites on a Saturday, come back, finish my round, play the blues on a Sunday. Like I, I almost never played eighteen holes all at the same time, just because of life. And it goes back to golf being accessible. Like I can play thirty rounds a year. If I play 69 whole rounds or I could play 10 rounds a year if I have to play 18 at a time because I have two hours way more often than I have five hours. You know, why yeah. Why well, should I have... suck enjoyment out of my life because of my circumstances? No, I get it. We have we have much different responsibilities. My big debate on Saturday is whether or not to go to a comedy show or announce a baseball game because they may cut into my early Sunday morning tea time. Like that is the big debate I've been wrestling with all week. And you have a two week old human being that you're trying to keep alive. And maybe you'll squeeze in nine holes over the next six yeah. weeks. And, so, want, and nobody wants to count my 81 because they because I <laughs> didn't have five hours at the same time to go <laughs> disappear to the golf course. That's fair. Me and Tyler live much. To, I don't. I don't think Tyler has any kids. He has a wife, but I don't think he has any kids. So I think we're a little bit on the same wavelength as opposed to you and Ash. And isn't soccer season starting too for Ashley? It started yesterday. I got their first win <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, go Brian. Yeah, she was I on the sidelines it. in New Jersey, leading the Bulldogs to a dub. Ash was on the sidelines. Yeah, what a superstar! Unbelievable. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Wow. Well, I think you make a very fair point. Uh, thank you for clarifying that. And that is another edition of Nick Rules. We will get that theme song soon. I actually have someone. I'm. You think I'm joking. I do have people I'm talking to about it. I swear to I God. Love it. I love it. I, I swear. Love it. Okay, Nick, you said you feel like a guest on this podcast. So I'm going to treat you like one just for a couple of minutes. We're going to do the brand new segment on that to turn. It is brought to you by Piper Golf. It is called Turn 10, which is the promo code at check out at piper.golf you can save 10 percent off their incredible golf balls bro you see they added visors and bucket hats the bucket hat is i i i'm obsessed i, I need it if we're not if we're not in a bucket hat for you visor for me combo with the 2023 corner club open we have failed over the next 10 months that should yes. be i don't care what we shoot what flight we're in we just need to be in a visor and bucket hat, respectively, and have everyone shit on us when we go to the corner club after shooting an 82 best ball. For sure. <laughs> That's the plan. Okay. So, Nick, 10 rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? I am. I love this segment. Okay. Number one, Jack or Arnold? I'm going to go with Arnold because 
more personality. He's he's more uh, do or die. You know, like Jack is like always Mister Consistent. Like if, you know, all his second place finishes in majors was like, dude, that sounds so exhausting. Either win, either win or go home. You know what I mean? Like ah, I didn't win. I I, I missed the cut and and whatever. I got to enjoy a nice weekend. So I'll take Arnold. Hole in one or lowest round ever? I would take a hole in one for a couple reasons because you're always chasing your lowest round ever. It's only satisfying for like, I don't know, a day, a week till you play again. But a hole in one, as far as I know, Romy doesn't have one. And so for me to have something that that Romy and you don't have right now in the game of golf would would probably be much less fleeting. (laughs) I love that. Jason the Dragon. Favorite course in the Palouse? Um, I think it's there's three courses in the Palouse: U of I, Palouse Ridge, and Circling Raven. Those are the three I'm going to consider. Circling Raven is probably my favorite. They're all circumstantial. Like whatever circumstances led you to playing that specific course is is awesome. Like if I'm playing Palouse Ridge, it's probably the Corner Club Open having one of the best days of like the three years surrounding that round. I went to circling Raven a couple of years ago and every view from every tee box, the company I was with the golf course itself, the staff, which is a big thing as we've established was 10 out of 10 on, across, across the board. So that's my favorite course. But if I'm playing golf in the Palouse, I'm, I'm loving my circumstances. I'm going to ask what's your least favorite course in the Palouse, but you are omitting at least one course. Have you not? Oh, wait a minute. Did they close Colfax Golf Course? Colfax, I think, is still there. Actually, I'm pretty confident Colfax is still there. There's a few. Hell yeah. There, there's the, those three nine-hole farm courses, which. Yeah, they're hiding. I would, I would love to have a one-day tournament with all our buddies where we just play 27 holes and go. Do a golf crawl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let, let's do it. I'm in. So wait a minute. What is your least favorite course of the Palouse? Oh, my least favorite? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's Elks. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. But, you know, it's just not – it doesn't have the sentimental value that the other courses have to me. There's too much good golf in the Palouse. Even though yeah. there's not a ton of courses, they're all so fun in their own right. But, but, but Billy, I still want the invite next time, <laughs> next time I'm out there. <laughs> yeah. How did how did Billy do in the corner club this year? I actually don't won four thousand dollars. <laughs> Probably it's all about the Calcutta. <laughs> uh, okay, number five. What's the most you ever paid for a round of golf, Nick? I I want to say it's like just a little over like a hundred bucks, maybe. I think I played Turtle Bay. Um, oh, awesome! I, I think I played both courses there in one day, and it was it was a gift from Ash. I want to say it was probably like 100, 150. I'd love to play there. Number six, what's your favorite club? It's my driver. I, I got to mm. go with, with my driver. It's the, it's the club that brings the most fun and joy into the game, right? The one you, you always are swinging hard. You're optimistic up until the moment that it hits the ball. You know, you haven't gotten yourself into any trouble on the hole yet. Um, yeah, I would go with that or my putter. I mean, I I never miss putts. So uh, I like that one too. (laughs) All right. Well, you've never missed one. Number seven, what's the most important putt you've ever made? This is a good one. I don't have like super significant putts, but the the 82 that I shot my, my low round ever 
the the last hole of, of this course is like a, a par three and the green is like severely slanted. And I had a long birdie putt that I left like six feet short. And if it would have gone a foot past, it would roll off the green. And so I, I made like a five footer, five foot downhill left to righter for par for my low round ever. Wow. So that's probably the most important putt. Oh, absolutely. All right. This one's going to be tough is you, you famously don't watch golf on TV. Faldo or Azinger? I am going to say Faldo because it's, it's people get more worked up over hating Faldo than Azinger, which the more people get worked up about stuff in golf, the more I enjoy the chaos. So I'll take Faldo. Yeah. Zinger, Zinger's pretty bad. I, I feel like Zinger doesn't get enough credit for how bad he actually is. Number nine, are breakfast balls ever okay? I don't use them. It's not to say that nobody should ever use them in any circumstance ever. So the way the question is worded, yeah, they're okay for some people sometimes, just not for me. This is the most revealing question we have on the Turn 10 brought to you by Piper.Golf. Use Turn 10 at checkout. How early should someone arrive to the golf course before their tee time? It's like... 30 minutes. You got five minutes to get your shoes on, put your bag on your push cart, another five to 10 minutes to go into the pro shop, pay up. You need to use the restroom. Gives you five, 10 minutes to putt, hit a few chips. You should get to the tee box seven or eight minutes before you're actually putting balls in the air. That's all you need. So good to have you back. That's Turn 10 brought to you by Piper Golf. Use that promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off not only incredible golf balls, bucket hats, visors. I'm really going to work on becoming a visor guy for the next like six to seven years of my life. I think that's my next move. I'm going to grow the hair out a little bit, have the quaff on top, and just be full visor guy. It, it'll be, it'll be like I said with Dane last week, it's going to be a very finite period, but I do think it's important that I have a visor period in my life. Yeah, I mean, the jury's out for me. I'll have to see it to believe it. I think I, I would never attempt to pull off a visor. I don't think I need that phase in my life. But hey, I, I think you could probably pull it off. I really want Ash's opinion. I really need to know what Ashley thinks about me trying to pull off a visor because she'll give it to me straight. She she'll will. let me know straight away. She will. I've been talking about bucket hats for the last, I don't know, three or four months. One of her friends was rocking like a Nike golf bucket hat and, and we were hanging out with her and I was like, dude, that hat is awesome. And like, like, Ash, I got to get a bucket hat. She's just, no. And I, I wore one that we had around the house, one of her bucket hats to, to a soccer game last week. And I was getting compliments and Ash is like, no, don't encourage her. She does, she's not a fan, but I'm, dude, I'm gravitating towards the bucket hat. I just see him and I'm like, it's just resonating with me. I actually Bro, used to, I, I used to rock a bucket hat when we were back in Did Moscow. you really? I don't remember this. Yeah. I had, a, I had an Under Armour golf bucket hat. It fit kind of weird. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, quite perfect but it it was very functional for for blocking out that 95 degree heat okay so i have to go off mic for a second because i i have to show you something hang on okay whatever this is i can't wait for it oh look at this joey is this Look at this beauty. Give me the give me the history. Is this is this new? Is this a, is this an old relic? What's going on here? No, this is this is brand new. This is this is more than a bucket hat. This is a Titleist hat. It is like a sun hat. They mm -hmm. call it the Aussie hat. 
So this this only comes out when it's 90 degrees or higher, but it gives me just the full, because a regular bucket hat, to me, the intent of a bucket hat is to give yourself more sun protection with a yes. splash of style. This is mostly sun protection with negative style. So when I'm wearing this on the golf course, it is purely to signify that I'm all about avoiding bogeys and melanoma. Those are my two goals out here. And you can see, I got I to get that brim a little straightened, but... Mm-hmm. No, that's that's I would I would push back on that, Joe. I think there's some serious style in in this look. Really, I, I I'm a fan. Yeah, this is actually like the bucket hat I've been rocking. I've been rocking this this oh. giant bucket hat that she had. It's got the the wider brim, like like you're talking about. Um, I'm I'm an even bigger fan than I was five minutes ago. I just I might oh I mean I might buy one today. I'm going to go to the so- outlets this afternoon and buy a bucket hat. So wait a minute, you're supporting the soccer squad and you're still getting guff from, from, from coach. Yeah. The parents, the parents are loving it. You know, sure. I'm loving it. The other coach loving it. It's just, I could work on Ash. Hey, she's, she's a tough sell. <laughs> she is, but you wore her down and congratulations again to the both of you on the birth of your baby girl. I haven't thanked you in, or congratulated you in person. So congrats, buddy. I'm really happy for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a ride. That's for sure. So for those of you listening, Nick and I are doing our homework. Nick, I finally cracked that fill book. It's just been sitting on my coffee table mm. for a while. Holy cow. That first chapter where it's just anecdotes from everybody. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Yeah. I can't wait to get into that. So folks, if I'm you're about, listening. Couple- I, I have a question because I'm about yeah. 75% of the way done and I've just got oh. mental notes. I, ha- I don't have any written notes. Do we have like a format? Sure. Or we're just going to talk about the book. Do I think we're just going to talk about it. We're just going to talk about it. Okay. I'm just going to go in. I think so. Kind of like what we did with the Tiger Woods book a couple years ago. Yeah. We're just going to talk about some of our favorite passages, not give everything away. But I'm sure at this point, a lot of people have read it and they want to hear us talk about it and give our yeah, thoughts. For so sure. that's what we're going to do coming up in the fall. We're going to talk about the Phil book that was written by Alan Ship- Shipnuck that came out a few months ago. He could probably write like seven more chapters yeah. since then, since the book was released. Also, we are going to talk about, we've been promising it it's coming phantom of the open we're gonna watch it and do a golf movie five some podcasts so that's gonna be coming up hopefully nick will be able to squirrel away another hour next week so we can get him back on the podcast buddy it's been great having you i'm so glad you're back on thank you yeah it's great to be back on the mic and uh good luck can't wait to hear about your uh, club championship (sighs) just getting that birdie mindset joe getting that birdie mindset I can't Dr. wait Bob. till like next Tuesday when you're listening back to this after you already know what happens in the championship and you're just like, Nick, shut up. Uh, I'm already nervous. <sighs> Great. Perfect. Get Rotella on the phone. <laughs> I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.